my zebras and spoonies. Thanks for coming and visiting with me today. I am glad that you're here. Today is my installment for the My Diagnosis series, and I am going to be talking about my experience with OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder and how those symptoms have impacted my life. I think that the first thing that I want to talk about when I talk about OCD is the way that social media and movies and books have really done OCD symptomology a disfavor. There is this perception that people with OCD wash their hands a bunch and realign things and are super neat and want everything super sorted and organized by color. You know, all this very particular symptomology. And yeah, there are people with OCD whose symptoms look like that. But not everyone with OCD have those obsessions and those compulsions and the way that movies and tvs portray the disorder make it seem like that's the entirety of what this disorder is about so a lot of the times when i tell people that i have ocd they're looking at me like i'm an alien especially if they've ever seen my home because my workspace in my home is absolute chaos. I mean, my workspace is an, is a direct reflection of my ADHD brain. We're talking piles and snippets and random eclectic collections of things. And it probably seems to have no logical sense to any other brain than mine. So you come into my space and you're like, whoa, there's no way this is OCD because you're thinking of those people who are portrayed in the media. So what does my OCD look like? Well, my OCD has a lot to do with things going on in my head, which is a little bit counterintuitive to what people think that OCD should be like. But compulsive rituals does not need to be a physical behavior. It can be a mental ritual that you have to go through in order to complete things. An example of this is counting, which is something that I frequently engage in. Um, I, I frequently count uh, number of steps that I go up or down, the number of steps I take when I go down a hallway for the first time. And I completely rationally understand that it doesn't matter. And yet I find it somehow fundamentally essential that I know how many steps there are in the stairwell. Why? Because my brain says so. And that's really at the core of what OCD is for me. When I try to explain the why, all I have is because my brain says so. A lot of my obsessive thoughts surround being late and getting lost. And that's probably because of my ADHD having led to my 
being late and getting lost on a fairly regular basis. And being late and getting lost produces this insane amount of social anxiety that is very uncomfortable for me. And because of that, I go through a lot of obsessive ritualized behaviors to try to prevent being late and getting lost. And that often looks like getting prepared for events way earlier than people think that I would ever need to. If I think that it's going to take me a half hour to get ready to get somewhere, I give myself an hour just to be sure. If I think that it's going to take an hour to drive there, I'm probably going to give myself an hour and a half to get there in case I get lost. I'm probably going to be using a GPS and I'm probably going to be looking at the map multiple times before I leave. I check my my watch and check the time. I don't even know how many times a day. And if I can't see what time it is, it's very distressing to me because it means that I can't regulate the pace of my day, which provokes the anxiety that I'm not going to stay on time, that I am not going to pace myself in a way that all of my tasks that are necessary are going to get done. And this is a really essential thing for the work that I do. So it is an adaptive, you know, uh, set of behaviors for me. Um, my, I'm a nurse and in my job, I have a big pile of tasks that have to be done within certain time frames. So I check the clock before and after every task because I need to know where I am at. I need to know how much time I have left compared to how many tasks I have left. And I'm constantly making this comparison and constantly evaluating the time left to pile left. And there are absolutely times that the time that I invest in gauging how much time I have makes me late. But I can't not do it because not doing it means that I'll become so anxious that I can't work on any of those fundamentally important tasks and nothing's getting checked off the to-do list. So it's this weird trap where the behavior that allows me to accommodate and work through some of my ADHD symptoms has become kind of dysfunctional in its own right because it's easy for me to get stuck in checking behaviors and it becomes difficult sometimes to transition from the checking behavior to the actual doing and completing of tasks and this difficulty of changing and transitioning between tasks is absolutely an ADHD trait, but it is really a core fundamental part of OCD. When you have OCD, you can't shift your thoughts well. You can't go from the obsessive thought of, 
oh my God, I'm going to be late. 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 You can't turn that off and rationally say to yourself, okay, it's not going to be the end of the world if you're late. You're just going to start your day a little bit behind and you'll be able to make up for it. And then it's, it's not going to be a crisis. You can't have that rational conversation because you can't get out of the loop of, oh my God, I'm going to be late. 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 That's all your brain can do. So transitioning is difficult. And you will see the same difficulty of transitioning in tasks with OCD as well as the ADHD. And this is also true with autism, with the difficulty of transitioning of tasks. And this is another area where I feel like these three disorders overlap and have gray. So when you're engaging in compulsive behaviors, the compulsion says you must do this thing, you must do this thing, you must do this thing, you must do this thing. And it doesn't matter that doing that thing accomplishes nothing. And it doesn't matter that doing that thing makes you later than you would have been if you hadn't done that thing. And it doesn't matter that there really isn't a lot of value in doing that thing. Your brain is still going to tell you, you must do this thing. 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 And it's going to keep telling you to do that thing until you've done that thing. And you're probably going to have to do that thing several times. Because I don't just look at the clock once and see that it says, oh, it's 1141. That's, that's not enough. I have to look at it a second time to confirm that it is, in fact, 1141. And then there's some times that I'm still stuck on the compulsive checking task. And I look a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth time, because I must do this thing. I must do this thing. I must do this thing. And that is the true nature of OCD, this stuckness in the way that you can't transition from one thought to another thought and that the way that you can't transition from one task to another task and all of this getting stuck in things creates a degree of dysfunctionality like how do you explain to people that you can't help them with something because you were in the middle of checking the time go ahead try to explain that like try to not look like somebody who is completely that shit broken crazy when you tell them that you cannot help them with a thing because you need to continue to check the time. Yeah. Yeah, they'll think that you're crazy. That's that's just what happens. Um I also have a lot of body focused repetitive behaviors and it's difficult to say whether or not that's related to the OCD, ADHD, or autism. And I'm going to talk about those in a different post rather than in a specific diagnosis. Because I think that these behaviors are important, but I don't really know for me under which heading they really fall under. Um, Another area of a gray for me is the need for sameness. And this is a very common autistic trait, that desire and need for sameness. But the this is also a thing for people with OCD. You need sameness, you need routine, you need structure, you need things to be done the same way 
every time. And for me, I am very obsessed with rule following and rule compliance. And I find it very distressing when I see other people breaking rules. And I find it very difficult to not comply with rules, even when it is logical and necessary. Like just, it doesn't matter what the rule is. You can't encompass all things with a rule. So there are going to be times when a rule doesn't apply to the real world and it doesn't really make sense to do it the way that the policy procedure rule set tells you to do it. And logically, I can understand this. And logically, my brain goes, well, yeah, of course not. Like none of us can like possibly predict every possible scenario that could happen in this life universe. That just, that isn't the way the human brain works. But then the OCD beaver brain says, but I must follow the rules. I must follow the rules. I must follow the rules. So there are times where I become frozen in action when these two parts of my brain collide and compete. And it can be very difficult for me to... Um, acknowledge the need to break a rule and acknowledge that it's okay to break the rule and whether or not that's autism or OCD you know you can debate that but I personally lump it in with my OCD symptomology and it's largely because when I find my rules and my sameness challenged it also engages compulsive behaviors. So for me, it feels like it's part of my OCD. And that isn't to say that it isn't also driven and exacerbated and added to by my autism. Um, but when I see that a rule is not being complied with, this obsessive thought starts happening of the rules are being broken, the rules are being broken, the rules are being broken, the rules are being broken. And then that drives a compulsion to correct what I am perceiving as a problem. And I'm sure that you guys can already predict how this can cause a lot of social conflict. Um, a lot of my coworkers feel like I police other people and I won't deny that in some ways I do. And I won't deny that it's a real challenge for me to not overstep and to not um, start engaging in a lot of that policing behavior because it's really difficult for me to see rules being broken. That all being said, um, I have done much better since I went through exposure response prevention therapy. This was probably the single most difficult thing that I have ever done in my life. I, I won't deny it. Being forced to sit with your obsessive thoughts and being unable to do anything about it is probably the single most uncomfortable thing I have ever been forced to do. And that's what exposure response prevention therapy is all about. 
And it is, um, clinically speaking, the treatment that has the highest efficacy for the treatment of OCD. And if you have OCD, this is the treatment that I recommend. While it is the most difficult thing I have ever done in my life, I will also say that it is the thing that was the most freeing. It was the thing that was most worth the work and most worth the effort. Um, It took me a year to work through that program with the clinician that... um, was doing the exposure response prevention therapy with me. And it was the single most difficult year of my life. And while I was going through that therapy, everything else in my life was exploding. All my other symptoms were just like exploding. It made so much of everything else so much harder. But going through this therapy helped me develop a toolkit to know how to handle and manage the obsessions and the anxiety that is provoked by those obsessive thoughts. So I can now say, all right, I'm having an obsessive thought and I can sit with my anxiety. And the reality is, is that it doesn't mean that that anxiety is any more comfortable than it was before because truth is anxiety is a really crappy feeling and it never gets comfortable and it never gets easy to sit with your anxiety but you can learn ways to sit with it that are helpful and that are constructive, and you can learn to have an internal dialogue with yourself so that even though you are having anxiety, you can still choose to do the things that are going to move you towards being the person that you want to be and can move you towards the actions that you want to take towards the goals that you have for your life. And you need to accept that anxiety is going to be a part of your life. And I think that was the hardest part when I was getting treated with my OCD was accepting that the OCD was never going to go away and that the anxiety that I was feeling that was being triggered by the OCD symptomology was never going to go away. And it was about being comfortable with what I was feeling rather than making it be something other than what it was. And there's a lot of power in being able to take that self-control and say, okay, I'm feeling this thing, but that doesn't mean that I need to do anything with it. So I kind of think about my OCD obsessive voice like the asshole on the bus that's just running his mouth that nobody wants to hear, but he's being so loud so everyone is hearing him. And just because you're hearing the asshole on the bus doesn't mean that you actually have to entertain anything that he's saying. Yeah? 
you're kind of stuck listening to him because he's being loud and he's being obnoxious and you don't have the option of just hopping off the bus when it's going 60 miles an hour down the highway. You're, you're kind of stuck in that situation. But you can choose to say to yourself, this is just the asshole on the bus and what he says doesn't have value. And I think that that's the most important thing that I learned when I went through exposure response therapy was being able to acknowledge that the little imps in my voice, whether they were from my OCD or from my RSD, these imps don't always tell me the truth and they don't always tell me things that have value, but most importantly, I don't have to do a goddamn thing with anything that these imps are saying. I have the power and the right to ignore the little asshole imps in my head. And that was so freeing for me. And it might seem really obvious to other people, but when you are being constantly bombarded and saturated by these obsessive thoughts... It feels so urgent, especially when they're accompanied by this pressing anxiety and sense that something really awful is going to happen if you don't just do the thing. But knowing that you have the power of choice and knowing that that imp is lying to you and you don't have to listen to it is super, super important and super empowering. So I think that I kind of derailed here and got talking more about my treatment course than my actual OCD. Um, So there's that. But I do feel like my treatment course is a really important part of where I'm at with my OCD now currently in my life there was definitely a point in my life where my OCD had completely taken control and I was looking at a lot of work challenges there were times that um I left jobs because I was struggling in the workplace to get along with my coworkers because of my OCD behaviors It was really impairing my ability to function. There were times that my OCD was so severe that I had a difficult time getting through my morning routine in a timely fashion so that I could actually get enough sleep and get out of my house on time to be able to get to work on time. So yeah, there there was definitely a time that my OCD was completely train wrecking my life. But that's not where I'm at now. Where I am at now is that my OCD is an imp in my head. And I choose which compulsive behaviors I'm going to allow. And which I am going to lock down, shut down, and not allow. Because the truth is, is that there's some compulsive behaviors that just really don't cause any harm. 
it doesn't really hurt me any to count the number of steps as I walk up a, a stair flight of stairs. It just, it doesn't affect anything. Like I feel no compulsion to repeat the process. I only need to do it the one time. So it really makes diddly difference in my life. If I'm going up the stairs and in my head, I am counting those steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Doesn't matter. Doesn't change anything. So I don't, I don't fight it. I allow my brain to have this ritual. Um, even numbers are safer numbers. They're comfortable numbers. They're paired. That, that, that is what my brain tells me. Paired numbers are good numbers. Odd numbers means that there's a, a number that doesn't have a friend and that's uncomfortable and that's not okay. Um, so when I am adjusting the volume on the radio, it needs to be an even number. I don't fight this. This, this. this doesn't matter. Does it really matter that my volume is on eight versus nine? Nope. I, I don't fight with this part of my brain because it doesn't matter. I do choose to not engage with incidental exposures when I'm around other people and I see that they set their volume to 11. Oh, 11 an uncomfortable number. I want my volume to be at 10 because 10 is a better number. 10 is a good number. 10 is nice. But I'm not going to dictate to another person that they need to listen to their volume at a 10. This isn't okay. Like you, you shouldn't be like dictating how other people engage with their social media. So this is a time that that incidental exposure needs to kind of be squashed down and you don't engage in the, the trigger and you don't engage in the, the compulsion. So yeah, there, there are times that I let it be and there are times that I don't. And it depends a lot on context rather than the actual trigger and compulsion. Um, there are some compulsions that I still really struggle with. A lot of those are my body-focused repetitive behaviors. Again, I'll talk about that in another post. Um, and... Yeah, you know, OCD is a real challenge because it's not something that we can cure. It's not something that we can make turn off in your brain. It's something that you have to manage every day and you have to be aware of what your triggers are so that when they happen, you know how to engage with those triggers in a way that is healthy and in a way that is not going to explode your life and impair your social functioning and all of those ugly things that OCD can do. So I kind of was a little bit more disorganized in, in talking about my OCD today, but I hope that kind of gives you a sense of how OCD doesn't have to be about hand washing and it doesn't have to be about organizing your sock drawer and it doesn't have to be about making sure that everything is color coded. So, yeah, I, I think that's all I'm going to talk about today. Um, I don't know what I'll talk about next time, but next week I will put in another installment in my diagnosis. And until we talk then, please stay healthy and well. Bye.